Episode 123 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks, offering a free month of unrestricted use. Totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for this trial. To claim your free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. to know your people. You need to know their appetite for change. Is this a small change? Is it a really big change? Are they going to be freaked out or is this just going to be like, oh, it's nothing. You know, we can keep going. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where, of course, the topic of leadership is always central to what we're talking about. Uh, But we also dig into things like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, entrepreneurship. Today, our focus is on communication, specifically communicating effectively through change. If you've ever had to lead through change at an organization, you know how tough that process can be. Our guests today are going to help us navigate through that. That's right. Not one, but two guests. They are Nancy Duarte and Patty Sanchez. We'll sit down with them in just a moment and talk about the book they've co-authored called Illuminate, Ignite Change Through Speeches, Stories, Ceremonies, and Symbols. I'll be asking them about the importance of your ability as a leader to move others forward and the role story plays in the process, the key to listening with an empathetic ear and how best to put yourself as a leader in someone else's shoes, what we can learn from companies like Rackspace, Charity Water, and Apple about getting from where we are to where we want to be, and a lot more. I was having lunch with a friend on Friday, and we got on the subject of accounting software, particularly what she was using and what I use, which is FreshBooks. I've been using FreshBooks since 2009, and I couldn't help but notice that her curiosity was piqued when I talked about all the things FreshBooks could do. Apparently, some things the cloud accounting software she's using cannot do. For example, when you tie your business debit card, like I have, to your FreshBooks account, whenever you use it, those expenses are automatically added into FreshBooks. You can use the mobile app too to take an image of that receipt and it gets tied right into that expense. It makes accounting so easy. I, I, I hate accounting. I took accounting in college. I got a B. I did okay, but I can't stand thinking about it. And I love all the ways FreshBooks helps me not to have to think about it. The more I can accomplish that, the better off I am as a business owner. Uh, in, in other words, even if you're not a numbers person, in fact, especially if you're not a numbers person, FreshBooks is perfect for you. As I mentioned at the top of the show, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for this trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. 
Nancy Duarte is a communications expert and the CEO of Duarte Inc., the largest design firm in Silicon Valley. She's the author of the books Resonate, Present Visual Stories That Transform Audiences, Slideology, The Art and Science of Creating Great Presentations, and The HBR Guide to Persuasive Presentations. She's been featured in Fortune, Forbes, Fast Company, Wired, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, The Harvard Business Review, and many, many other outlets. Patty Sanchez is the Chief Strategy Officer for Duarte, Inc. She's distilled 25 years of experience as a communicator into their new book. She has led transformative communications initiatives for brands including Cisco, Ericsson, Hewlett-Packard, LexisNexis, Nike, Symantec, VMware, and Compassion International. And she's taught hundreds of leaders to become more empathetic and effective communicators. And her work has been honored with awards from IABC, BMW, and vital speeches of the day. Well, the new book they've co-written is called Illuminate, Ignite Change Through Speeches, Stories, Ceremonies, and Symbols. And I am delighted to have both of them here today. Patty, I'll start with you. Welcome to Read to Lead. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) Nancy, likewise, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I thought I'd start off by asking you to talk about uh, the importance of the ability as a leader to move others forward, and uh, the role that, that that story plays in that process, in your opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think the job of a leader is a lot harder today than mm. it used to be. And maybe that's just what old people say, you know, <laughs> <laughs> life is harder now. But but I think it's true, you know, that the world is more competitive, right? It's, it's changing more quickly. And that means that if you want your organization or your team to thrive, you have to be reinventing yourself. You know, you can't stay where you are. And that's, as we all know, a really hard thing to do. And it takes hard work and extra effort and not just extra effort by us, you know, through force of will as the leader to say, this is what we're going to do, but by the people who we need to support us to help us actually get that work done and and create that new thing. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about in the the difference between management and leadership. Mm. And, and, you know, it's very hard to sort of manage new ideas into existence. You know, you can manage something that's existing, but to create, you actually have to lead, you have to inspire people to think of things they haven't thought of before, which can be scary. And so that means that you need to, uh, inspire them to give more of themselves, you know, to take more risks. And that's where communication comes in from our perspective. Uh, listening with an empathetic ear is key to this process, according to Patty and, and Nancy. So so share, if you would, some of your methods for uh, imagining yourself in, in, in your traveler's shoes, as you call it. Yeah, absolutely. You as a leader, your job is to inspire people to do something that they haven't done before, you know, to do something new. And that's difficult for them. It's scary. Most of us don't really like doing something we haven't done before. And so uh, to understand how to motivate people to do that new thing, you have to understand what it feels like for them to to do that new thing and what they might be frightened of, you know, what might frustrate them. And, and so really understanding other people is the place you have to start, which is basically getting outside of yourself, you know, (laughs) not, not being sort of dominated by the way you see the world, but stopping to ask questions of other people to understand how they see things. And, and so there are kind of rituals that I think leaders can use practices uh, like 
having a question you ask every person you meet, mm. you know, which might be about uh, a big change that they've made in their lives or about some experience that they've had that transformed them and you learn from them uh, how they experience change. But I think you can also study the audience that you're trying to motivate by reading the things that they read or you know the books that they read or any way basically becoming a student of other people. Um, and then you have to apply that. And, you know, I think it can be hard for us to not just step outside of ourselves, but actually experience life as another person. Uh, it takes effort, uh, but it can begin with just your imagination. Uh, so an example of this is I'm super obsessed with the musical Hamilton right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I eat it, I sleep it, I listen to it in the car, to and from work like every day. So anyway, I was watching last night Charlie Rose interview the creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And he was, uh, Charlie Rose was saying, you know, it's kind of amazing how you can write from the perspective of all these different characters, from Alexander Hamilton to the person who shot him, to the woman who seduced him, to the wife who loved him. And they're all very different people. And he said, how did you do that? It takes a really great artist, you know, like mm. you must have some great talent. And Lemanuel Miranda said, actually, it takes something that we all have, which is empathy. Hmm. And and it kind of blew me away. You know, he said, I just sort of like stand in from the perspective of that person. I try to imagine what, what their life is like. And that's where I write from. And I think that's where we need to lead from, too. So the leader is the torchbearer. And uh, Patty and Nancy outline the torchbearer's toolkit in uh, chapter, I think it's chapter uh, three of the book. So describe the, the items or the, or the concepts, the tools we need to familiarize ourselves with to be an effective uh, torchbearer. Well, one of the things that great leaders do really well is they communicate in a way that removes fear uh, and that sheds light on a situation that helps people see things, understand them and be less afraid and, and more inspired to act. And so communication can do that really well if you communicate in a few different ways, uh, and which is what's in this toolkit. So the first tool in the toolkit that a lot of leaders already use to some degree is, is a speech which is basically your appeal. It's mm. it's your argument. You know, this is what we need to do and why we need to do it. And they can be very persuasive uh, to such a degree that it actually makes people long for where you want them to go. If you can create enough contrast between the place where you are, which is what is, and the place you want to be, which is what could be. And, and that sort of gap between the two is what creates the tension that makes people want to kind of like pick their little tense up and leave the present and move into the future. So that's the first tool. Another tool that complements that a lot of times is stories. Mm. And, you know, in this case, what I'm really mean is actually a story, you know, not <laughs> just information, you know, but, <laughs> right. but basically it's, it's the tale of a person who undergoes some kind of transformation. You know, they, they encounter a challenge, they have to fight it, uh, and then they overcome it. And when you tell stories like that as a leader, whether it's about yourself or other people or plucked from the experiences of the people you're leading, you help them see in a more tangible way and also feel in a more emotional way why it's important to change and also gives them kind of some examples of how to do it. So those are kind of the two that are, I think, most often in the leader's vernacular. Mm. Um, and then there's another tool that we talk about in the book that we think is less appreciated, but it's also really important, mm. and that's ceremonies. And ceremonies are basically one of the oldest forms of communication. They're, um, they come from the rites of passage. 
you know, if, if you think about the ways that people mark changes in their lives, you know, we have baptism rites of passage, you know, we have uh, marriage rites and funeral rites, and those help people cope with change by helping them almost like step outside themselves and see this is what I was, this is what I'm becoming and you can use those same uh, kinds of ceremonies in business in a slightly different way to mark moments of transition along this journey and basically help people not just uh, like kind of memorialize you know the change, I, I was this, now I'm that uh, but also to feel and kind of almost like purge their emotions because a lot of times change is super stressful so ceremonies let us do that um, and then there's one fourth tool, which is basically derived from the other four, which are symbols. And symbols are artifacts that can come out of speeches, stories, or ceremonies that effectively sort of boil it down into a really potent shorthand mm. that you and your travelers can use to remind themselves of what happened. And I like uh, how you outline in the book, then we take these tools and they're used throughout what Patty and Nancy call the venture or the venture scape. Uh, give us a broad overview of what that is, the various stages, and, and then we'll dig into to each one maybe a little bit deeper. Yeah, sure. So venture, the what that really means is it's any kind of an initiative, you know, any sort of change effort that you have undergoing, which can be really big or really small, big like turning around a company or small like changing a process. Mm. And any of those initiatives has a life cycle. It starts and then it kind of evolves and matures and then it mm. concludes, it comes to an end. And so that's effectively the what the venturescape is. It it's and it actually follows the structure of a story with the beginning, middle, and an end. And in the beginning are the dream and leap stages, which is where you communicate your vision and then you ask people to sign on to support it. In the middle, then they kind of go to battle. They undertake this quest to try and make your vision real and they encounter obstacles that they have to fight. And uh, they also accomplish some wins, which helps them climb closer to the goal. And in the end, you arrive. And and that, you know, as I said, mirrors the shape of the story, which is basically the story of change. Hmm. You know, the hero's journey that we all go through in our lives. And that's one of the reasons why it's such a powerful way to describe and help people understand what change is like. So I want to dig into these if we can in the few minutes we have left into each one of these briefly. Uh, so, so the first stage is is the dream stage. Uh, compare and contrast, if you can, how some of the tools that we just talked about might be leveraged by us as as torchbearers, as leaders, depending on the state of mind of, of our travelers. Right. Right. Exactly. It is depending on the state of mind. So when you're going to cast a new dream in the dream phase, some people are going to latch on it like it's utopia mm -hmm. and others are going to consider your new perspective as a dystopian outcome. Right. <laughs> so you really do need to know the stance that your travelers are going to how they're going to react and respond to it. So that's why, you know, the five stages of the venturescape are dream, leap, fight, climb, arrive. And in the dream phase, there's it, it, we have this like 
orienteering advice uh, device, this uh, communication toolkit that we've put together. And in the dream phase, there's a motivating speech and a warning speech. There's a motivating story and a warning story, a motivating ceremony and a warning ceremony. And the reason we have motivating and warning is you need to know your people. You need to know their appetite for change. Is this a small change? Is it a really big change? Are they going to be freaked out or is this just going to be like, oh, it's nothing. You know, we can keep going. Let's do this change. And so it, it is really important to walk in the shoes of your travelers and really understand it so that you're prepared and communicate from the right emotional place. What does observing the company uh, rack space uh, teach us about uh, stage two or what you guys call the leap? I really appreciated the effort you went to to include these case studies that really help make it real. Well, thanks. We, we loved writing those stories and, and learning from them. And, and in the case of Rackspace, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that these ventures can be big or small. And in this case, the venture seemed kind of small and, and almost like a no-brainer to Graham Weston. Uh, head of Rackspace, and his goal was to move the company to a new location because it was outgrowing its space, which seems like kind of an easy thing. I mean, it's it's you know it takes some effort, but how hard is it going to be convince employees to think you know a new building is a good idea? The problem was that he wanted them to move into an old mall, a shopping mall, which it, it made a lot of sense to him. It was a lot of space, very affordable, in a kind of rundown area, but they could make it into a really cool building. And when he had somebody present, a consultant present these ideas to employees, he was shocked when they booed Mm. this idea. And and to him, again, it seems like the most logical choice. It made good business (laughs) sense. It was like, why are you fighting this? And people did. They dug in their heels. And so that's one of the lessons in Leap is that no matter how well you explain your vision, you may still run into resistance because people are afraid of new things. And there was some history around that mall. There'd been a shooting there. So employees had some good reasons to feel afraid of, of what working in that environment would be like. Well, what Weston did that was so smart in that moment was he backed up and said, all right, well, let's let me and my consultant analyze all the audiences we have to convince these various employees and the reasons that they're resisting. Why is it? And one of the things that it made him realize is he actually needed to reframe the dream. And it actually changed his strategy to be not just about renovating this mall so it could be a nice space for the company, but revitalizing the neighborhood and pouring money actually donated by employees into the community so that it could be uplifted and be a better place for everyone to live. And as a result of that, when he reframed that as the dream, employees said, yes, this is who we are. We love helping people. And they fell in line and started charging forward. So, you know, the the leap can tell you things about whether your idea is sound or not, and it can actually help you make it better. Well, as we hinted at a moment ago, the third stage is called fight, and uh, this is one of my favorites, I think, just for all the metaphors <laughs> that we're using uh, to describe uh, uh, this stage. There's battle and enemy and suffering and defeat and win, strength, triumph, courage, bravery. Uh, why, do they, why do these metaphors work so well, at least for me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a glutton for pain. <laughs> you know, um, in a really exciting story, like if you can think about the last movie you saw where you were just like your heart was racing mm. and 
the middle of the story is where the fight scenes happen, the race chase happens, mm. the the near death experience, and oh my god, I was like, you know, Frodo gets like stabbed through the shoulder and can't keep going. You know, <laughs> that's where the really horrible part happens. Mm. And this is the middle of the venture scape. This is where your team is going to get tired. They're gonna they're gonna be disillusioned. They're gonna be like, oh, wow, I'm making more sacrifice than my boss man said I would. <laughs> I don't know if I want to keep going. I don't know if I can continue. You know, think about the scene in Braveheart where he paints his face half blue and rides his horse and he's screaming at everyone, "We could do it! We could do it!" <laughs> That's this moment. And we looked at things like war cries, war dances, war speeches. Like, what did the indigenous people do to embolden themselves? You know, they danced around a fire and chanted and screamed at the enemy. Sometimes. Sometimes you may have to demystify the threat. You may have to do enactments of what it would like to be victorious in a situation. So mm. it really is this moment where you're either completely want to be rallied and everyone's like, yeah, or you may have to go away and lick some wounds. You may mm. need a more cathartic um, in, a, in a healing kind of a way. And you need to know because they're either completely war-torn to pieces or they're ready to go. And, and you need to know and then you communicate with them where they're at. So the, the point is in this whole thing is how do you keep people in your story? How do you keep them in the game? How do you keep them wanting to come to work and keep fighting these battles <laughs> that are hard? And a lot of it comes from how the communicator frames it, just like what Patty was saying. Mm. It's, a, it's a lot about the framing and making sure that you're you're emotionally resonant and you're saying the right thing at the right time. Mm. It worked on me for sure. Uh, <laughs> stage four then is, okay, the climb, the moment uh, of endurance it's called. So uh, one of my favorite organizations, uh, Charity Water, is the case study here. What, what can their history show us or teach us about uh, this stage of the process? Yeah, I loved putting them in climb because, you know, Scott Harrison's the leader over there and mm. they've been going at it for about 10 years and bringing clean water to everybody in the world is a big goal. I mean, it's you can get up out of day every day and be motivated to do that. But what if it doesn't happen in your lifetime? Mm. Like, what if you're not actually see that happen? How do you how do you avoid getting worn out? Well, in the climb phase, you need to create these moments of endurance, right? So you're you need to say like, I need to cling to something so I can keep enduring. And I loved this because what Scott himself did, even though it's a beautiful thing he's doing, he's like, I need a story again. I need a new story that I can cling to. And so he found it. He kept hearing a rumor about this 13 year old girl who killed herself. Mm. She carried water all day, got back to the village, broke the pot, and she killed herself. And he thought, wow, she must be pretty distressed. This, you know, She must have not been stable emotionally or had a great stable home environment. So he decided to go on a pilgrimage and find that girl, find that girl's family, and find where she's buried and walk in her steps and see what happened. So he went and he found out she was in a very healthy marriage, healthy, healthy environment. And he realizes that she, that water was so important to her, she felt like she let the whole village down and she killed herself. Oh, wow. So he wound up having to go on his own little pilgrimage of recommitment during his climb phase, which could be the rest of his life he's spending in the climb phase. And he himself needed to find a story that angered him, that excited him, that motivated him to keep going. And he found that story. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the finish line. We've, we've arrived. We're in stage five now. Talk about the importance of, of affording your team opportunities to be recognized and, and, and be sure they're spending some time basking uh, in their accomplishments. 
Yeah, well, I, you know, this is a moment to empathize <laughs> again with your travelers. Like Nancy said, I mean, the, the the boss man asked them to do some pretty hard things, and so they deserve to be recognized for that. Uh, to be honored. And and so the arrive stage is a moment to stop and recognize the heroes, the people who did really well, uh, but also the the people who paid a price for this change. And, um, you know, doing that kind of uh, acknowledges the effort that people put into it and reminded them why it was worth it. Uh, that if you if you stop and not just acknowledge the successes, but remind everyone why uh, you were trying to do this in the first place and what you've actually accomplished together. So connecting it back to that, that dream you know, that you set out to accomplish together, which is it hopefully in some way changed the world in your little corner of the world, you know, but it, it probably also changed you and your travelers. And so the other sort of importance of celebrating accomplishments in the arrive stage is to kind of incorporate the learning that you got along the way. What lessons uh, did you experience that were good or bad? And when you tell the stories of those lessons, the things that went well, the things that didn't, you equip people with that learning so that they can do better next time. And also you codify that knowledge into your DNA of, you know, of your company or of your team, which becomes basically like the folklore, you know, the stories that people will tell again and again and again to each other and to new recruits, to other people about the next venture and how they know that will be successful because they've done it before. It reminds me of a leader I had in the past uh, who was not only good about uh, recognizing publicly accomplishments, but was, was also really good about uh, to all his staff uh, sending the occasional note. Uh, of recognition that was just a personal thing. It was just between him and me or him and a coworker. And that to me meant uh, as much as, as those public acknowledgements occasionally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can take any form. It's just important that you do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes we feel so much pressure to just keep moving that we don't <laughs> stop. <laughs> absolutely. Well, the whole process begins again with, with what Nancy and Patty call the re dream stage. Uh, what can we learn here from, from studying uh, the company Apple? Yeah, I think redreaming is such a critical part. When you're going through a venturescape, you're hoping to just arrive. Like, that's your goal. I want to arrive. And no sooner do you arrive, that you have to restart again or <laughs> else you go into a state of decay. So it's really interesting to, uh, as Steve Jobs tried to move Apple from Mac OS 9 to Mac OS 10, it's actually regarded as the largest operating system migration in history. So he's working hard, working hard, trying to get them to move from 9 to 10, 9 to 10. Those, you know, took five years, like relentless communication. Mm -hmm. move from nine to 10. And what happened was he, toward the end, he started to lose patience because he had a new dream. He had a re-dream already in his heart. So he started to lose patience with the developers because he wanted to move on. So he started to use language like the train has left the station, like <laughs> move on. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, he had a vision for Mac OS 10 where every single thing would hook up to Mac OS 10, all your devices, if you look back at that speech where he launched the Digital Hub strategy, you'll see that basically he prophesied the next 10-year product plan for Apple. Mm. So, no wonder he was so excited, right? So, he was sick of the developers not moving forward, not moving forward. So, at a WWDC 2002, he actually literally buried 
the operating system of Mac OS 9. He had a coffin come up with smoke from the stage. There was stained glass for the slides. Eerie music played, and he walked out with an oversized box of Mac OS 9 and a red rose. He puts the Mac OS 9 in the box, closes the lid, puts a red rose on top, and he eulogized Mac OS 9. Hmm. I've talked to developers that were there, and they were like, it's kind of creepy, because you could hear them kind of like, ha, 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 what? Am I supposed to laugh? Because it's not funny, right? It was kind of this awkward thing. They're like, I'll never forget it. Hmm. I mean, he was saying, and he never talked about the migration from 9 to 10 again, because 9 was dead. He just never talked about it anymore. So the interesting thing about this whole book is it's a lot about endings and beginnings. It's a lot about you need to have these moments of demarcation where you're telling the team, we crossed this thing and we're no longer what we were. We are this new thing. And that's what he was trying to convey is this thing that you guys are all emotionally attached to is now dead. You know, <laughs> move on. We've got to have you move on to 10. And so that was a really great example of, hey, this thing is dead. You guys need to latch onto my new dream. Hmm. I'm a kind of a, if you hadn't gathered, a book nerd, a book geek. And not only do I love the content of this book, but I just love the design. This is one of those books that I love to hold in my hand. I love. Uh, we do too. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for a book that's not in the typical, I don't know why, not in the typical uh, portrait orientation. I know I know uh, the diagrams sort of lend themselves maybe to forcing a, a landscape orientation, or I guess I guess it's more of a square. square. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, that this book, and then it reminds me, uh, what was the other book, uh, the other guest we had? Oh, uh, Dan Rome's uh, Show and Tell. Loved it for many of the of the same reasons, but uh, but well done. And I, I would expect nothing less from the crew at, at Duarte Inc. for sure. Let me ask before I move on. Anything else you want to make sure that we uh, take away from the book? Oh well, I, I hope that it inspires people as much as the process of writing it inspired us to uh, to go after bigger ideas and and to uh, listen to their travelers so that they can understand how best to move them so we tried to give lots of case studies in the book you know as you've we've highlighted a couple of them there were 10 case studies uh, but the other thing that I love uh, about books that are I find really useful are that they have lots of very specific practical tips so we talked about the toolkit that's in there you get that downloaded if you order it, but also there, I counted them up just because I wanted to see. There are over a hundred individual examples of speeches, stories, ceremonies, and symbols that are basically a pick list mm. for any moment you find yourself in. What should I say? Here's an example you can be inspired by and try to emulate in your next talk. And that's huge. That's huge. Well, uh, this question is really for both of you. I'm wondering if either one of you or both of you could name for us some books that you have read over the past uh, maybe year or two that has had an impact on you. Maybe, maybe it's a book that you go back to again and again. I have a whole little list. I, you know, Jim Jim Collins' work radically changed me. Mm. So I read um, Good to Great several years ago, and I go back to that. I mean, we go back to it almost every year. He said, if there's one thing you can be best in the world at, passionate about, and profitable at, do just that one thing. And that's when I narrowed what we do to just presentations. So that rocked my world. And Mm. then even though um, How the Mighty Fall didn't come out last year, I read it last year. (laughs) And it hit me at just the right time, too. And the big takeaway I got from that was, you should never scale faster than the quality you can deliver. That's why companies fall. Mm. And and where you're in such a season of growth, it's so easy to go after the growth and not slow it down or constrain it so you can ensure that you're still delivering the quality that represents your brand. So that hit me at just the right time, too. And I do try to have other reflective works in my repertoire. So Mm. I do try to read the script 
scriptures and have things that recenter me into what's the most important thing in life. Um, uh, so I also do that too. Me too. Every morning. Good. It helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, Patty? Uh, any books that stand out to you? Well, there are some that I go back to again and again for my craft as a writer. So I love, like Nancy loves uh, Jim Collins. I love Anne Lamott. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I love Jim too, but, mm-hmm. but Anne teaches me something different about how to be creative and, and how to live with the tension and difficulty of trying to make new things all the time. So I love Bird by Bird, uh, which is yeah. one of her best books about writing. Uh, but you know, a, another book I read probably a year ago at Christmas time that I didn't expect to affect me as much as it did was a skinny little book called Self-Renewal by John Gardner, and it was written okay. in the 60s. He was in the Johnson administration and just management expert, and it was just a skinny little book that was basically like an essay about how uh, uh, cultures, economies can reinvent themselves. And I thought, hey, this is pretty relevant to us. Mm. But it's also about how humans and individuals have to embrace constant learning uh, and, and remove barriers to improving themselves. And it, it really struck me and, and inspired me quite a lot, so I recommend it. Well, I'm all all about constant learning, for sure. That's why, one of the reasons why this podcast I- exists. Uh, I'm sad to say that when I graduated college, uh, I thought my learning was over, and I was glad of that. Uh, school school <laughs> kind of taught me to to not, not like reading all that much, but fortunately in my early 30s, I had a, a leader uh, who introduced me to personal development and business books and uh, rekindled that uh, fire, and here some 13 years later, it's a, it's a topic uh, that I can't stop talking about. I just don't think um, uh, nearly enough people spend enough time reading and hopefully uh, through this little show we can make a little dent in that along the way here here <laughs> well what is uh, next on the horizon for you guys I know, you know the book has just come out uh, but what is your team working on now that that you're excited about as you look to the future you know, we we had a whole lot of stuff hit the cutting room floor. So Patty and I are real excited. We overachieved during the writing of this book. So we have a couple models that hit the cutting room floor that we're super excited to develop out. But I think I think most importantly is there's something so beautiful when you put a body of work out there, illuminate, and and we just now are starting to get the love notes back, right? <laughs> where, where it's like, oh my God, my whole world will never be the same had you not given this book to people. And so now the calls for the services are coming in and we are so excited for people to be fired up because one of the things about the book is it's a model. There's an actual visual model that'll help you with empathy. It'll help a leader see what their team is going through as they're driving change. And so having leaders call from a more humble stance like, oh my gosh, can you help me? Because I realize I haven't been connecting the right way mm. is very exciting. So we're excited to see um, kind of the the way that we get to help really powerful people. It's a more, they're coming in a more humble stance in a more, um, wow, I'm, I'm not great at this. Can you make me great at this? Which is different than, Hey, can you get this done by Tuesday? <laughs> Dang it. You know, it's just been it's just been what we wanted, right? We wanted people to have a change in their heart. And when you can build a body of work that does that, it's just spectacular. So we're excited about that. Well, I know when the show began uh, a little less than, than three years ago, I, I wondered if one day I might be able to welcome uh, you, Nancy, onto the show. I wasn't familiar with Patty at the time, but I was a big fan of Resonate and thought, well, one day I'll have Nancy on the show. I did not know it would be to talk about Illuminate, but I am excited that it is because we got Patty as a bonus. So yeah. <laughs> uh, t- two authors for the price of one. It's fantastic. 
Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you guys taking time to do this. It's been a real treat, and I highly, highly recommend the book, uh, not only to read, but to hold. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. As I said earlier, if your job at all involves guiding people through change, this is definitely a book you want to add to your library. I'll include a link to the book and also a link to download that Torchbearer's Toolkit, that highly valuable resource. All of that and more in the show notes page, including how to connect with Nancy and Patty. Simply go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 123 for episode 123. Remember, this episode is made possible by the fine folks over at FreshBooks, currently offering a month of unrestricted use, totally free right now, and you don't even need a credit card to take advantage of this trial. To claim your free month, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. I'd like to take a personal moment and uh, dedicate this episode to my grandmother, Laverne Holiday, who this past weekend uh, passed away at the age of 96. In keeping with this episode's theme, she was an effective communicator throughout her life and had a huge impact on me. And I look forward to seeing her again one day very, very soon. If you enjoy the Read to Lead podcast, one way you can help us out is by rating and reviewing the podcast. A couple of places you can do that that are particularly helpful. Simply head over to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. Make sure, of course, you're signed in with your Apple ID. You can leave a rating and review there. We're particularly fond of five-star ratings and reviews. You can also do that on the Stitcher app, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. And thanks so much in advance. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you, inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed's provided by Strayer University affiliates of your learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.